Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me today is a very special guest. It's the last remaining holdout from the Urban Sports Scene and All Skins Everything Podcast. It's Will T. Shorter. Hey, welcome to the show, Will. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing, Haku? I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic now that we have you on the show. I mean, we finally got you in on our annual NFL Picks competition with Wole and Ray, and now we finally got you on the show. This is awesome. I kept telling Wole and Ray, hey, guys, when do we get the A team on our show? When do we get Will T? We're always stuck with the B team with Wole and Ray. We, we finally graduated to the big time, so, you know, I'm excited about this. Hey, and speaking of that NFL Picks competition, Will, you are totally repping for the urban sports scene. Only five games back from the top. Uh, impressive 103-56 to 56 record. That is not bad. Not bad at all, considering that Wole is 12 games back and Ray is 14 games back. You're leaving those guys in the dust. Way to go, man. Yeah, those guys are the, they're the dead weight of the team. I usually carry them whenever there's a competition <laughs> in the sports. So, you know, I'm just doing my, my usual role. That, that is clear. That is clear that you're pulling – your shoulders must be really tired because you keep carrying the show for them all the time. I mean, it's unbelievable what you have to go through. So, anyway, Will, it's a weird year, but we're coming up on Thanksgiving, which only means one thing, and that's that we get to watch the Detroit Lions suck on national television again. But more, to, more, more important to that, maybe? Maybe it's more important to that? Thanksgiving dinner. So, tell me, uh, Will, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Favorite Thanksgiving food for me is definitely candy yams. Oh, nice. Candy yams. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Yep, yeah, I'm definitely more of a side guy opposed to, you know, the turkey or, you know, I know some people do fish or they do chicken, but, you know, I'm definitely a side right. guy. Candy yams, my thing. No, yeah, I love sides too. I'm actually a stuffing guy, and, and I don't want any of that artisanal homemade stuffing. I want stovetop stuffing. That's the stuffing I want, want man. I grew up with that stuff. I love that stuff. I love stovetop. You kidding me? That's the best. I love and stovetop. I love it with I love it gravy. I don't care what people say. That's a first. I, I, I haven't met, I haven't come across a lot of people that like their stovetop with the, with the gravy on top of it. Usually it's uh, I know my sister, she loves stuffing, so she does the stuffing at at the base with the turkey, usually right. like uh, the dark meat turkey and white meat turkey yes. with the gravy um, over top of it. Yep. Gotta be gravy. Gotta be gravy. Gotta be gravy. And, you know, it's funny because I'm originally from the Midwest. I always had gravy on everything. I mean, like, it didn't matter what it was, man. Cereal, turkey, I don't care. It's got gravy. But, like, you know, <laughs> I was shocked when I met people who did not have gravy on their turkey at Thanksgiving. What is wrong with you? I mean, that's crazy town. I'm assuming that you, you I'm not saying this, now I feel bad if I put you on a spot, but do you like gravy on your turkey? <laughs> I do like <laughs> gravy on my turkey. I didn't mean I you, like, Will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, I knew I, I, had, yeah. no, I had you pegged right. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, so you're, so well, you're, I'm, I'm a little different, but, you know, you have your thing with gravy, I have my thing with hot sauce. 
love hot sauce on just about everything. Oh yeah, I like it. That's great. Hey, listen, I, I am no, I am definitely a fan of hot sauce too. So hey, if you could mix that hot sauce and gravy together, we got Thanksgiving. We can talk about that. Sounds like a winner right there. Absolutely, all the way around. Sounds good to me. <laughs> all right. All right, we got lots to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Taysom Hill. We're going to be talking about Carson Wentz. We'll talk about those crazy Minnesota Vikings and games we want to watch in Week 12 and much more. Let's go ahead and get this thing rolling. All right, Drew Brees was placed on IR last week with multiple fractured ribs and a punctured lung because clearly he's not a hockey player, so he doesn't play through critical injuries like that. We all thought it would be Jameis Winston who would take his place because isn't that why the Saints signed him last offseason in the first place? But instead, Sean Payton's pet project, Taysom Hill, got the starting nod, and it didn't turn out nearly as bad as many predicted. Before the Week 11 game, Hill had completed 10 of 18 pass attempts for 255, 205 total yards in his entire four-year career. In Week 11, Hill smashed those numbers, completing 18 of 23 passes for 233 yards, rushing 10 times for 51 yards, and two touchdowns, decimating the rival and Ray's favorite Atlanta Falcons by a score of 24-9. And you heard right. Hill did it with his arm and his legs. Sure, he had some bad underthrows at times, did fumble a 24-yard scramble, but he did everything he had to, and he looked relatively good doing it. And he even revived poor Michael Thomas with nine receptions, 104 yards, locking on to him for a season-high 51.2% target share. All right, Will, I know you watch this closely. In your opinion, is Taysom Hill the future for the New Orleans Saints at quarterback? I am going to go with a resounding no. Here's why. Wow, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no, and, and this is just my opinion. I think there are things yeah. that, um, the actions that uh, Sean Payton, the coach, has taken up until, you know, this game against the Falcons that lets us know that he doesn't even believe that Taysom Hill is the future of the organization. Um, a couple, and just to make, here's a couple of things. Um, one, the signing of Jameis Winston, right? Um, right. If you, if you felt that you had a quarterback that was a developmental quarterback who you believe is the future of your franchise, you wouldn't have gone out and you wouldn't have signed Jameis Winston. That's one. Two, right. prior to this past Sunday, um, when, you know, when um, Drew Brees was knocked out of the game, they brought in, Guess who? Jameis Winston to be the backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, yep. So, and then three, I don't know of any organization that puts their franchise quarterback on the punt and kickoff cover team. Can you, can you, talk <laughs> to, to you, you know, in your just, extensive just Tim Tebow. Um, experience? Yeah, yeah, just Tim Tebow. In your extensive, extensive experience <laughs> of watching football and analyzing football, can you name a team who put their franchise quarterback on the field to cover kickoffs and punts? Never. Never. Exactly. So, Absolutely not. Um, those three things, yeah, for, for me, those three things, those are the reasons why I don't think Taysom Hill is the long-term solution for this franchise. I don't think that Sean Payton thinks he's the long-term solution for this franchise. Now, what I do think Taysom Hill showed us Sunday – was a little bit of a name that you mentioned just um, a couple of seconds ago with Tim Tebow, right? Uh Um, Sean Uh Payton is an extremely creative uh, offensive mind. He put together a package of plays for Taysom Hill that made, you know, to get Taysom Hill 
in a rhythm to get Taysom Hill comfortable within that offense. And then ultimately he knows if a play breaks down, he has the greatest equalizer um, against the defense, which is Taysom Hill's legs and that threat of passing right. on the run to get, you know, to keep the offense alive. So those are things, those are reasons why I don't believe that Taysom Hill is the long-term, is a future quarterback for this team, but I've been wrong on so many things. I could be wrong <laughs> on that. Yeah, no, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it's a little bit weird to me that you go out and get one of the, and, and, and let's not get anything wrong here. You know, Jameis Winston has his ups and downs. You know, he has his ups and downs. He's a perfectly, you know, serviceable starting quarterback in the NFL. I think there is some untapped upside there if he gets some good guidance. I mean, he tends to be a little bit of a gunslinger. We saw that all year, I mean, his entire career, basically, um, before coming to the Saints. But you go out there during the offseason and you sign someone like Jameis Winston, and you already had Taysom Hill. So you're right, you know, Will, I don't really get that. I don't understand why. I mean, isn't that – that's what I said in the intro. Like, isn't that why you went out and got Winston in the first place? Because you wanted to have that Teddy Bridgewater presence there under center if, you know, God forbid, Drew Brees is out for the rest of the season. I mean, look at what – you know, I, and, and that's the thing there. You know, this is – Taysom Hill isn't Teddy Bridgewater, and, and it's a weird thing to say, but I thought that, you know, Bridgewater showed – that he was going to break out and be a franchise quarterback in Minnesota. A horrible, horrible uh, injury set him back. He's back to his ways now. I mean, he's back and now injured again. But that being said, you know, he's demonstrated this year that he's always had that. He's always had that, you know, what it took to become a starting quarterback at the NFL uh, level. I, you know, Taysom Hill, I'm not exactly sure if that's the case, although I will agree with you that this game, the one thing that I think he did well was he played a relatively clean game. I mean, he, he didn't just take off every time. I mean, I, I really expected him to do like a one look, his primary uh, receiver covered, and then he just takes off for a two-yard run or gets sacked or something like that. I, I totally saw that happening this weekend, and it didn't. He, you know, like I said, 30, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad when, you, when you're throwing 28 passes in a game. Um, it's not bad. It looks like he's, he's got the right amount of balance in his game. Um, but like, but this is one game. It's only one game. People shouldn't overreact to it. I'm with you on this. I think, and I've seen this. I've seen other analysts talk about this as well. He is the glue holding them together right now, but he is not the permanent replacement, <laughs> right? He's not going to be the the guy who makes that a whole table again. He's just going to make sure you don't fall over in the meantime uh, while Drew Brees gets back. And, and who knows how long, how much Drew Brees has left in tank? I mean multiple rib injuries, punctured lung, and um, basically could be in his last year um, as a starter in the NFL. So who knows there? All right. Well, Taysom Hill, very interesting experiment there. Let me ask you this. I know this wasn't on the agenda, but if it's not Taysom Hill and it's not Drew Brees, is it Jameis Winston? I think it is Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston uh, may not be the long-term solution, but he does provide them with a bridge until they find that guy they feel comfortable with. Um, Jameis Winston's uh-huh. a guy who's thrown for 5,000 yards. He's um, thrown for 30 touchdowns in his career, I mean, in, in a season. But the thing that he's – and, and you, you mentioned this earlier, the thing that he's terrible with is he has that gunslinger mentality and he has – Right. a desire to try to force the ball into the tightest windows and make work and make mm-hmm. uh and throw interceptions at the worst time. 
So if you can, and that's right. something that you we've seen quarterbacks being able to be coached out of those habits. So if you are able, yeah. with Sean Payton is able to coach him out of those habits, I think it works. I think he's able to be the guy for five to six years until they find the guy that they're really comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, and I I always uh, you know it's interesting because I I wasn't the Winston fan coming into the NFL. I became a little bit of a Winston fan over time because I felt like he has developed significantly, uh, but just didn't quite get to the point where he could be that he was a trustworthy, consistent um, starter in the NFL. And you're right, I think coaching is the tr- is the trick there. All right, let's go ahead and flip this over here. Hit the bell on that topic. Go to the next one. Let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. Let's talk about Carson Wentz this last weekend, who had another bad game in Week 11 against the Browns, completed 21 of 35 passes for 235 yards and two touchdowns and two interceptions. And don't let those touchdowns fool you. They all came late in the game when the Browns had already built a lead. He took five sacks in this game, with one of his interceptions resulting in a pick six. It's the second pick Wentz has had returned for a touchdown this season, and he's now up to 14 interceptions through 10 games. In fact, Wentz has only one game this season where he didn't have a turnover. Coach Doug Peterson has said, quote, he's never considered benching Wentz for Jalen Hurts, but the Eagles fan base is getting restless. What do you think, Will? Is it time to bench Carson Wentz? And if so, is it time to start Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. I think now is the time. Now, um, now is the, the best time to see what you have with Jalen Hurts. Look, when the Eagles made that surprise pick in the second round of selecting Jalen Hurts, everyone yep. was everyone said WTF. What what's going on? You have Carson Wentz, you signed him for a hundred million dollar contract. Carson Wentz was the guy who up until this injury had led that team to the Super Bowl uh, a couple years back until um mm-hmm. Nick Foles took over. So you're asking yourself what right. what's going on? What does the organization see? Is do they see just the Jalen Hurts being that great that you can't pass on him, or do you see regression from Carson Wentz? And Carson Wentz has gone out on a weekly basis through the first 11 weeks of the season and has let us know that, yes, the organization truly saw regression from him as a quarterback. So now is the time uh-huh. to see what you have in Jalen Hurts, even though you're still in the midst of, and I hate to say this, making a run to win the division with only – <laughs> That's amazing. It is amazing. Let me let me just address that for a second. NFC East. I have I have a good friend who's an Eagles fan, and and his going into Sunday, what he told me was, you know what's what's great? We could lose this weekend, and we're still going to be on top of the NFC East. How sad is it that that half game, <laughs> that tie, if <laughs> three wins, they're going to be at the top of the NFC East? And last week we had. Uh, Adam Maniva from the Burgundy and Gold report on here. He thinks the Eagles will take that division with five wins. Imagine that, a playoff team with just five wins. So crazy, crazy. But there are some complications, I think, um, to the Eagles benching Wentz, and there's obviously a lot of discussion here. You know, keep everyone knows he signed a four-year, $128 million contract extension just last summer that runs through 2024. Um, he carries a dead cap hit of nearly $60 million in 2021. $60 million. Mm. I, will, I don't know what that's, I would do with $60 ridiculous. million. Dollars. I, 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 <laughs> that's a lot of money. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it and, is. I mean, that's crazy. 
And, and uh, well, but you know, the good news is that that number of 60 million falls to 39.5 million in 2022. And of course, Will, you and I know, you know, 39.5 million—that's nothing. We can deal with that. But 60 million, forget it. You yeah. know, <laughs> 60 million but, is absurd. 39.5? Nah, we can handle that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know what? You know, just, just don't go out for a couple of dinners. We're all set. Um, but that's that's the funny thing about it, though, is that you know, if they if they decide to bench him, if they cut him. It's not just the money they promised him. It's the cap hit they're going to get is going to be just just ridiculously high, just ridiculously high. And if they bench him now and they put Hertz in and he doesn't do well, I mean, this question is, do you go back to Wentz? Um, I don't know. I mean, look at what's going on with Tua right now in Miami. They put it. I mean, Brian Fitzpatrick. He is what he is, right? You know, whatever he is, <laughs> he is yep. what he is. But he was winning. He was doing well. Probably one of the best seasons he's had in recent memory they took him out put Tua in and Tua did not perform but was but his his performance was covered by the performance of his defense he was given a lot of cover because of his defense and then this and then the next week he started and he did fairly well but this defense also then provided some cover and this this week it all kind of came apart you know it, it was pretty clear that he wasn't quite ready for prime time and then they put uh, Fitzpatrick in there to throw the interception at the end of the game. Probably gives the Miami Dolphins franchise another excuse to go back to Tua without them losing face on that. But, you know, what do you think? I mean, so if you start Hurts, and, and I'm going to ask you about Hurts in a second, but if you start Hurts and he falters, mm-hmm. would you go back to Wentz? Or, you, or what are you going to do at that point? I mean, it's got, it's got to be a real tricky situation for the Eagles. I think you would have to go back to Carson Wentz, but I have a question for you, okay? What yeah, is the yeah. co- what would be the cost organization to not see what they have with Jalen Hurts? And and I ask that it's kind of a loaded question because yes, you signed Carson Wentz to a four year contract, but Jalen Hurts is on the clock now. He's on a four year contract as a second round pick. Good point. So do you yep. do you allow yourself to keep consistently going with Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz he's shown you that he's regressed, right? for whatever reasons, whether it's yep. mechanics, whether it's um, the tools around, you know, the weapons around him at the skill position or it's the offensive line or whether it's the play calling and the scheme. What's the uh-huh. consequence of not going with Jalen Hurts, even, even though you've made a sizable investment in him with, for, with, within him being a second-round pick for the organization? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's a great question. I think that – it could be it could be very meaningful. I mean, the the problem is, and I hate to say this because they have three and a half wins, but they did too well. <laughs> you know, they did too well. They're at the head of their division right now. If if only they were behind uh, the Washington Football Team or the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Giants, if they were behind them, then I think they have more cover to bench Wentz and put in um, put in Hurts and say, you know what, we we are already behind and we need to catch up and and why not see what we got in the guy and see what we can build on here? And if it doesn't work, it's okay. We're going to get a better draft pick. But they're winning that division. I don't know how. It's crazy. But, you, you know, you move away from Wentz, and, and I know the, the fan base is very, very uh, split on this. You know, there's a lot of folks in Philadelphia that, you know, it's Wentz or bust, and there's a lot of folks in Philadelphia that say, you know, let's not waste our shot here. If Hurts can keep us consistent in the future, then let's build him now. Because if we make it to the playoffs with five wins, that's that is a hollow victory. 
Yeah, this is a hollow victory. Not only do we get a worse draft pick, but we're not going anywhere. We're not fooling anybody. The first team we play, we're going to lose in the playoffs. So why even make it to the playoffs if you're going to put yourself in that situation? So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great – that's a great question. What is the cost of not getting Hurts up there? You know, one year doesn't bother me that much. I mean, just look at Patrick Mahomes and uh, what he was able to do sitting on the bench for one year. So I, I'm not as concerned about that, but – then you turn to somebody like Justin Herbert, and you're like, wow, can he be, you know, two-thirds, three-quarters of Justin Herbert right now? I take that. I'm a Bears fan. I take that in a heartbeat, you know? I mean, we got nobody. I mean, I, they'd be better off of me passing the ball out there. So I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I, I see that as a big – that's a great question. That is a great question. All right. So no real resolution there, but, Will, looks like we both kind of agree Wentz should be benched at some point. Let's see what we have and and uh, heard. It makes you wonder what they saw in Wentz last year that made them think about it and move up and get uh, Jalen Hurts because that that clearly was a big move for them in the draft. All right, well that's uh, that's that's a great topic. Let's move out on with that one. Hit the bell. Let's talk about the next topic. That's like, that's the Minnesota Vikings. So in the second half in Week 11, trailing 16-7 at halftime, Vikings scored on their first three drives of the second half. Cousins threw three. Uh, through touchdown passes of two and three yards on Thielen, and then hit Justin Jefferson on a 39-yard strike, putting them up 28 to 24 of 9:37 left in the game. But the Vikings could barely move the ball the rest of the way, gaining just 16 yards in their final two drives, managing just one first down. The winning points for the Cowboys came on an 11-play, 61-yard drive that included a fourth-down conversion by Andy Dalton of all people, finding Dalton Schultz with a minute 37 left for a touchdown. Putting them up 31 to 28, Cousins then threw three incompletions on Minnesota's final possession. The last one a deep ball to Thielen with a minute 18 left. So time wasn't a concern. Wasn't a concern here. There seems to be some issue here breaking down the gameplay. Who is it? Many have blamed Mike Zimmer. Many have also blamed the Vikings defense. Will, what's your take on this? I think it's uh, if I, if we're assigning blame, I have to assign it to Mike Zimmer, and here's why. Um, the Minnesota offense came out and they scored three touchdowns, I believe, on their first three possessions in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. So this team was red mm-hmm. hot. But to me, I kind of yes. I noticed this team decelerating. You know, they you know the play calling became a little bit stale. They started to go away from the things that they had done well throughout the afternoon in the second half. So I, I question, and this is for me. This isn't the first time I've seen this Minnesota Vikings team um, decelerate after they come out playing hot offensively. And it, it usually, you know, Mike Zimmer teams um, give up leads in the second half. From defensive perspective, they aren't as aggressive um, when the game gets tight. It, it, it's almost like Mike Zimmer clams up, and you know, he he gets uh-huh. rather than playing to win, he plays not to lose. And we saw, yeah. to me, you know, we saw a case of that um, Sunday Sunday afternoon, especially, you know, when they had Dallas, when Dallas was, uh, I believe, on the two- or three-yard line. Um, Minnesota had just stopped them on third down, and Mike Zimmer mm-hmm. called a timeout. And I'm asking myself, WTF, what are you doing? You're giving the offense an <laughs> opportunity to see not only the personnel that you had on, had on the field, but now they get the opportunity to say, okay, the play that we did, that we had, let's kill that. We see the personnel they're going with. They're stopping the clock for us. 
I, I, I just right. don't understand. I don't know. Some, some of the decisions he right. makes make me scratch my head. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. But, I mean, so I guess the, the bigger question here is, do you think Mike Zimmer, I mean, do you think this is it for him? Do you think that you, that you would get rid of Mike Zimmer as head coach of the Minnesota Vikings? Or is this something that, you know, it's not systemic, something that can be fixed, something you can turn around? Um, at this point, I, I, I tend to think that you may be better off going with the guy he has at offensive coordinator and Gary Kubiak, who's won a Super Bowl, who's shown that he can be successful mm-hmm. um, in Houston as a head coach, also in Denver winning that Super Bowl, than going with Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is an amazing defensive coach, um, a good head coach, but I don't think he he's fit. That, that he's going to get that that organization over the top to where they want to be with the investments that they made. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a good point. And and obviously the Minnesota was on a heater prior to this, right? I mean, they only had one win, and then they went on a heater, and it looked like they had an opportunity to be playoff bound. Uh, and um, it, yesterday kind of demonstrated that that may not be the case. I mean, it's. It was not a good look because the Dallas Cowboys are a raging dumpster fire right now. So any team that loses to the Dallas Cowboys yep. is in really rough shape, really rough shape. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. It's good thoughts there. Going ahead and hit the bell on that one. Last topic of the day. Let's talk about week 12. Let's look ahead to next week. What games are you most interested in watching in week 12, Will, and why? Okay, so the, there are three games that I'm ex- really excited about. Um, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. in the order from the game I'm most excited about to probably the game I'm, you know, least excited about, about the three. The first game, yep. oddly, is not a matchup of the two best teams within the division. The first game is San Francisco 49ers versus the Los Angeles Rams. The reason why I'm so wow. excited about this game is, yeah, I, I mean, the, the reason I'm so excited about this game is because we probably have the two best offensive play callers as head coaches in the NFL going against each other. So it's going to be a chess match with Kyle Shanahan versus um, Sean McVay. Um, that's a Sunday 4-5 game at Fox. So I'm really excited about that. And then also those are two teams with very good defensive lines that don't need to necessarily yep. blitz to apply yep. pressure. So I think that's going to be a phenomenal game. The second game that I'm excited about, is surprisingly the Tennessee Titans versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so yep. you, you're going to have a strength versus a strength, which is Tennessee's run game versus the Indianapolis Colts defense. Um, the yep. Indianapolis Colts, to me, um, to, even though they're 7-3, I think they're a sleeper team because of how great they are on defense and also the amazing job that Frank Wright has done. He's come in and really stabilized that franchise. Um, And also offensively, the way he mixes it up um, with his play call and the run pass um, split and the way that he's, I'm not going to say he's reinvigorated uh, Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers um, over the second half of the season looks like uh, a different quarterback than he did during the first half of the season for that team. And the third game that I'm excited to see is the Sunday night Thanksgiving game, which is the Steelers versus the Baltimore Ravens. Um, My pal Wally says that, yes, yes, um, my friend 
and uh, podcast mate Wole often says that the best rivalry in football is the Washington team versus the Dallas Cowboys, which I say is not a rivalry. This team, these two teams, this is a rivalry because they actually, when they face each other, there's actually stakes on the line. There's something that they're playing for. Yep. So the yep. um, and then and then there'll also be the opportunity. Will the Steelers be able to get to eleven and zero? Right. No one's talking about the Steelers going undefeated, going sixteen and zero. There's been a, it's been a while since we've seen a team go this late into the season being undefeated. So I want to see if the Pittsburgh right. Steelers are able to keep it up. Yep. And the Ravens, they have had a little bit of a slide recently as well. Um, inexplicably losing to the Patriots and um, losing in overtime yesterday to the Titans, the Ravens. I'm, I'm, you know, I had a lot of faith in them, and they're not start, they're not looking like the team that I remember them being at the beginning of the season. And Lamar Jackson, I don't know what the deal is, but he used to be the most dynamic, exciting player in in the in the league, and now he seems a little scared, and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. That game looks amazing. I can't wait for that. Pittsburgh opening as two and a half point favorites on that, but sliding the other direction um, as um, as the bets start coming in. And that Titans Colts game also very very interesting to me. I agree with that. Uh, I have a lot. And Philip Rivers, you're absolutely correct. I was just talking about this yesterday. His uh, he has produced better and better as time goes on, and I think Michael Pittman Jr. is part of that. I mean, like him coming back from injury is a big part that some they built have built some trust somewhere along the way because he definitely trusts him. And he gets it done. You know, I mean, that that's, I think, a production um, that we're not going to see go away. And, and Michael Pittman is going to be there for quite some time to come. So that will be very interesting, yep. uh, Colts and Titans. The other one that I will say that I want to see is the Chiefs at Buccaneers. I know it's an easy one. I know everyone has it probably on their calendar. It kind of partially depends on what the Bucks do tonight. But, honestly, you got the Buccaneers, and they're loaded to win now. The Chiefs have been loaded to win, have won. And we saw again last night what they can do. You know, give a minute and 40 seconds and you're down by a touchdown, you're going to lose, right? Patrick Mahomes will find a way. It's not even – it's just going to (laughs) happen. Unbelievable stuff. Well, that's some great stuff there. Terrific games. Everyone should check them out. All right. It's all – we're at the end of our show. It always goes so fast. Let's go ahead and hit the air horn on the show. I know, right? Half an hour. Oh, Bam. Yeah, it's all, all over. Yeah, it's all, I can't yeah, believe it. It goes that quick. It's, it's over that quickly, man. It's, um, <laughs> right? It was it great. Just we had you a great show. I mean? I, I we had so much good stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I usually don't get, so, a, get the opportunity to talk this much. You know, usually Wole and Ray are talking, you know, but for you the majority of our show, I, 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 you got to listen to the man who knows it all. You know, we. You're the A-team, Will. We're excited now. We're never talking to Ole and Ray again. We don't need those guys. <laughs> we don't need, you can tell them that we said that. We don't need them anymore. We got Will. I'm going to open our show with that tomorrow. Yeah, all right. I love it. I love it. Hey, thanks again, Will, for joining us on the show. For real, it's been awesome. Uh, hopefully the first of many to come. Um, you know, we, we, we love Everybody from the urban sports scene. I mean, no, all kidding aside, we love everybody from the urban sports scene uh, being on the show. But Will, it's been a long time, and I'm glad that you finally got you finally got you on the show. Uh, this is fantastic. Get yourself some social media, dude. What the heck? How are we supposed to tweet at you uh, and uh, you know uh, and trash talk you if we don't have access to you? <laughs> you know, I'm an email away. You can get in touch. You can get in touch with me, Hawkins. Okay. Um, but I, I'm a guy right, who lives personal. his life in the real world, man. I don't live on the social media, man. 
Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I I can get on board with that. Okay, everyone check out Will on the Urban Sports Scene Podcast Tuesday night. It's terrific. Great info straight from the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area, otherwise known as the DMV. Check them out. Never miss it. I never do. It's fantastic. And thanks again, everybody, uh, for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.